can you can you hear me? Eh? Yes, I can. And so you're actually on air now. Right, thanks. Which is uh, it's nice to have you on the show. Nice to be here. And so where are you actually at the moment? Um, I'm sitting at home actually at the moment. I'm in Scotland, so I've uh, come up from Manchester, uh, obviously from the Labour Party conference. And I'm just on my way to my constituency, so... Excellent. And so you, you're... Because I haven't actually said who you are, actually. You're proper... Oh, right. <laughs> it's Anne McGuire, and you're... What's your title? Um, I'm the Minister for Disabled People mm-hmm. in the Department of Work and Pensions. In the Department of Work and Pensions. Right. And so what, what does that involve? What do, you, what do you do? Well, I have um, a whole portfolio of responsibilities, um, mainly um, relating to disability issues. I obviously take the lead on uh, issues relating to civil rights for disabled people, the UN Convention. Um, we had the lead um, responsibility in those negotiations. I am also responsible for a range of benefits which support disabled people, including disability living allowance, attendance allowance, mm-hmm. um, and uh, incapacity benefits as well. And so, do when disability is involved in other departments, are you the one they all turn to? Well, we have a cross-government uh, strategy. Um, the Prime Minister's uh, strategy unit report published in 2005, which is called Improving the Life Chances uh, of Disabled People. And that is very much owned by um, various government departments. But, of course, as the Minister for Disabled People... I coordinate and pull that um, cross-ministerial work um, to, together so that it fits in with the strategy. But individual departments have responsibility for their own element of it. So, right. for example, Department of Children, Schools and Families will um, have the lead responsibility in the issues affecting education of disabled children, for example. So, this may sound like a strange question, but why do you want to improve the life chances of disabled people? Well, I think um, most disabled people will tell you that um, they do not have the same life chances as other people. They they lag behind in terms of getting jobs, in terms of um, education, educational attainments, in terms of um, health outputs. All of the areas um, you know, across uh, our lives, if you look at any of the statistics and the analysis, um, you will identify that disabled people perhaps are not getting the same opportunities as uh, non-disabled people. Things are improving, but um, there is still some way to go. And But have we won the battle to articulate why we should be equal? Because I'm a bit worried that perhaps we haven't even achieved that yet before we move on to kind of like enacting it. Do you think we've won the battle of the hearts and minds to even just to want equality for disabled people? Well, I think there's a greater awareness um, of the rights of disabled people. Uh, I mean, I think you can see that in all sorts of ways from the sort of physical infrastructure of our cities, our buildings, um, you know, all of those things that we now take for granted, um, you know, talking lifts, drop pavements, um, you know, um, talking or um, sound, um, um, zebra, you know, crossings uh, on roads, all of those things, I say, that are now, we, are, we do take for granted, which weren't there 10 or 15 years ago. But there are still some, I think, attitudinal issues 
particularly in relation to employment, where I think um, disabled people often are still judged for what they cannot do and not for what they can't do, for mm -hmm. what they can do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, you know, that is a big challenge and one that um, we are up to meeting. And what about within impairments? Because I, I know that uh, as, as an organisation and myself, we have a lot to do with people with learning difficulties and they're mm -hmm. constantly complaining that they are the people most excluded from the workforce. What, what, what's, mm -hmm. what's, what's the government doing for them? Well, I think that is a, a fair point. Um, uh, I, I said earlier on that disabled people lagged behind in terms of employment uh, opportunities. And I think within um, any group of disabled people, those with learning disabilities will be even further behind. There are obviously, you know, there's a significant amount of work being done by major organisations such as MENCAP and others to promote employment those with learning disabilities. We support many um, people with learning disabilities through some of our specialist um, disability um, work programs such as WorkStep um, and I'm certainly keen to ensure that employers recognise the value um, and the business case actually for bringing into the, um, their employment people who have skills but yet who are learning disabled. And many uh, people with learning disabilities have been, you know, they were written off in the past, and uh, I think we're starting to see that change. But I appreciate there's still, as I say, quite a long way to go there. I know that one of the concerns for a lot of uh, the more radical disabled people is that a lot of the services that are, are being implemented to help other disabled people get jobs are being kind of like tendered out and run by large uh, charitable organisations. And they're concerned that it's putting disabled people back onto a kind of charity level rather than rights. For example, you mentioned Menkap in, in that kind of uh, employment for people with learning difficulties, but Leonard Cheshire in other areas and also Scope or yeah. Radar. And, and that's a big concern for people that they're almost, even if it's not the reality, the kind of cultural identification is going to put disabled back in a charity kind of perspective. I think that's a wee bit unfair, actually. Um, I mean, I recognise that, that there are a range of organisations, voluntary organisations, um, who carry out different functions. There are obviously organisations that um, are run by disabled people, that are managed by disabled people, and some of them um, deliver services uh, as well, deliver employment services. I recently visited uh, Breakthrough UK, which has bases in uh, Manchester and Liverpool, and seeing some of the fantastic work that they are doing, promoting employment opportunities um, for disabled people. Do you, do the you think... overwhelming majority of their workforce, their management, their governance, I am, uh, are disabled people themselves. And is that a benchmark you're seeking from other organisations? There are different organisations carrying out um, different roles, different functions. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's the role of government to say what is an appropriate function or an appropriate role for an individual organisation. I think that's for disabled people themselves to identify. And of course there are independent living centres across the country as well, again very much run by disabled people but at the same time delivering services. So I think what we, you know, we try to, what I think we need to recognise is that uh, you know, each of those organisations have a role to play and they do it in a way that is most appropriate um, in terms of their own aims and objectives.
And, and so what, what are, are Labour and the government uh, doing to ensure the security long-term of those kind of disability organisations? Because, for example, in Wolverhampton, we have a, a newly uh, elected Conservative Council from May and they'll be cutting stuff uh, almost... Uh, that's one what, what associates with them, but they will partly because of the lack of money uh, from, they would say, from the government, but equally from council taxes and all of that and because of the credit crunch. What, what, uh, what are Labour doing particularly to kind of secure the future of disabled people and their organisations? Well, I don't know the specifics of uh, you know, the situation in Wolverhampton, and mm -hmm. I always think it's better not to comment unless I That's uh, fair know the details of it. But I think generally uh, across the country we are co committed to supporting independent living centres, um, the Department of Health has the lead in that uh, area. My colleague Ivan Lewis, um, I, a few months ago, announced uh, 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 an investment of, I think, around about £800,000, £900,000 into looking at the um, capacity issues of those organisations, the organisations um, that represent disabled people at local level. Mm -hmm. We're certainly committed to having one of them in every district um, by 2010. There's a lot of work being done by organisations themselves. Um, the group of organisations of disabled people, if I could make that distinction, mm -hmm. recent, recently had a major um, lottery uh, fund application accepted, again to look at the capacity of um, organisations at local level to build up that capacity so that they can participate perhaps in a way um, that um, you know, allows them to, to participate more fully in local activity. And of course, and this might be relevant uh, to the local situation, as a government we have placed a statutory duty on all public authorities, including local authorities, um, PCTs, schools, universities, police authorities, called the Disability Equality Duty, which means that they have a role, a duty, to promote disability equality and take into account um, the needs um, and aspirations of disabled people. And they have to report on that. It's not a case of they put it on a shelf somewhere and forget about it. And but isn't, isn't that a problem that they have to report on it? Shouldn't someone report on it on well, them? Well, the, the Equality and Human Rights Commission um, have the responsibility for the enforcement of um, that uh, disability equality treaty. And they monitor and review um, the way in which the disability equality duty will be implemented. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, our Office for Disability Issues, which um, is within the DWP, we um, uh, work uh, on some of those issues. We have a representative from Emil, uh, who are the European Network on Independent Living in the uh -huh. studio, and they'd like to ask you a question. Is that yes, all right? Of course, of course. Hold on a second. It's Debbie Jolly. Hi, Anne. Hi that's, that's really interesting. Um, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned disability equality duty, mm -hmm. but we're having um, an equality bill coming in soon, is that correct? Yes, which, that's right. Which is, do you think that will um, hinder the progress, or not, whichever the case may be, that ha has been made by the disability equality duty? No, I don't think so, because we are also committed to ensure... Um, that the Equality Bill coming in will not um, backtrack on any of the, um, the rights that have been won by disabled people over the last 10 years or so. So we are very clear about that. It, 
What we um, need to do, though, is to look at all the different elements of equality across the spectrum and bring them into one legal framework so that it's, it's not quite, you know, you don't need to have a compass to chart through them all. And that's why we've got the Equality and Human Rights Commission as well, to bring all those strands together, but at the same time not to lose out on some of those hard-won rights that disabled people have achieved over the last, uh, I say, 10 years or so. So you don't think it will become um, diluted because there isn't that stronger focus on, no, no. on disability um, that was I, with I mean, the I think equality now duty? We probably have um, some of the most robust legislation in terms of disability rights. I mean, I obviously look at what's happening in other countries and I've visited some other countries and I know that they look to the UK um, in many ways um, trying to find, trying to see how we have progressed um, disability rights and using some of the ways in which we have progressed disability rights as, you know, an idea of how they might move forward in terms of their own, uh, developing their own law. And, uh, I mean, that's why, for example, the UN Convention is, um, uh, you know, going to be a very powerful tool because I think what it will, what it has done for the first time is set a standard an international standard about disability rights. I mean, that's not to say that I, I'm, you know, individual people might have um, areas where they would like to see us strengthen our disability rights, but I think generally we have a pretty robust framework in place. Mm. And I, I, do, I certainly, um, you know, I, I, the Equality Bill will not dilute that. Yeah, I think you're right. The, the UN Convention um, represents a really very big opportunity for everybody. But what's what's the position on that at the moment? Um, it's been signed, but it's yet to be ratified. It's yet to be ratified. Um, we are going through the uh, process um, of looking at the Convention and looking at its compatibility with UK law. And, of course, we also have to remember that we have devolved administrations, so we've got to work with the devolved administrations in Scotland and mm -hmm. Wales and Northern Ireland to make sure that our, our laws and our practices um, are in tune with the UN Convention. I made a statement to Parliament in May to update on progress. Um, we are, um, I think, making reasonably good progress. There, I was frank enough to say that there may be some issues. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I think we're running out of time. Can I just ask you yeah. one final question from me? Because Paul's, yeah. Paul's making signals at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. do, do you think that there will be reservations from um, our point of view? Because there are rumours that the reservations will be around independent living and around education, which is extremely worrying for, well, I don't think for people, disabled people. Uh, should be worried. And certainly I have had a lot of discussions with uh, representatives of uh, disabled people's organisations and uh, other organisations uh, to see where we can where we can chart through some uh, you know some of the, uh, what people perceive to be difficulties. I think it's important to sign the UN Convention. I uh, but I think we also have to be honest. For example, in terms of education, that there is still a debate within Britain about whether or not um, we should still have specialist schools for children and for disabled children. And many parents and indeed many disabled people would still support specialist schools 
Um, and I think we have to be honest about about our position. Um, and when we sign the convention, and we will sign... I, th- I think um, we, we have signed, haven't we? we will Didn't ratify. we sign in March 2007? Sorry? Didn't we, we sign... We signed, sorry. When we ratify, and we will ratify uh, the, the convention, um, we will do it, um, I think, in a spirit of openness uh, and one where we are committed to implementing um, the convention and where we have to make explanations about um, certain elements of our practice, and they will only be a few, if any, then I think it's, it, we are duty-bound to, to raise them. Um, and indeed, most countries, I suspect, in the world... Well, let, let me just ask... Excellent. Let me just ask you a kind of closing yes. question. Uh, obviously, you're thinking about the, the future, uh, uh-huh. both, both as a party and as, as a government. What what radical thing do you think you could introduce uh, coming up, say, into either an election or the new government for disabled people? What one radical thing do you think you would like to do? We, what I would like to um, see us do is to get accepted. Now we've already uh, get accepted the individual disabled person's right for independence, independence, choice and control over their lives. We've already flagged that up as an ambition within our welfare reform statement, within our independent living strategy. And um, I think the move towards independent living for disabled people, giving them the right to choose, is actually our next big ambition. And I think that chimes in with the aspirations. And, and do you see much opposition to that? I think... I don't. Well, I'm not sure if there'll be opposition. I don't think there'll be um, opposition in principle. I think in practice we still will have some challenges about how we implement that. I'm not talking about as a government. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about through all the you know the, the levels of society. Um, so independence, choice, and control, I think, is the next big prize, and certainly it's one that, that disabled people have identified to me as the next big prize, and we are utterly committed to that. Excellent. Uh, thank, thank you for coming okay, on the show. I'm delighted to speak to you this afternoon. And it was nice to you. And next time you're in Wolverhampton, hopefully you'll come in the studio. I will indeed. Um, uh, that's a date. And there is a disability film festival in Wolverhampton in April. Next April? In next April, yes. Right. Well, perhaps you could um, let me know about it, Paul. I will. And if I can possibly manage to get there, I certainly will try. Excellent. And when I press this button, you'll be cut off, so thank you very oh, much. Right then, right. Bye. Thanks, Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks to Anne McGuire there.